You're listening to the Biz Women Rock podcast, and this is a special series celebrating mompreneurs. You have finite resources physically, mentally, emotionally. So I think we've got to stop telling mums that they have to extend themselves even further. That's not the answer. The answer is let it go. Let someone else do it. Give yourself permission to make things easy for you. Because no, you're not getting up at four o'clock and staying up till one o'clock doing your business and doing them in those hours. That does not work anymore. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. If you are an action-taking, savvy businesswoman who's obsessed with growth, then you're in the right place. Right now, you're listening to the Mompreneur series on the podcast. And during the very first episode of this series, I talked a lot about the Mompreneur mission statement. So I have gone ahead and created one for you to download for free. Just go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash MMS. This mompreneur mission statement has been the foundation of what allows me to live very purposefully in two areas of my life that I consider so important to me, my business and my life as a mother. So go download this free tool for you to use to thrive in your mompreneur life today. I am so excited that you're here today for the bonus episode of the Mompreneur Series because today we're featuring Denise Duffield-Thomas and she is the creator of Lucky Bitch. Lucky Bitch is a platform where she's able to provide education and support for women who want to deal with their money blocks so that they can truly live a financially abundant life. She is phenomenal. She was actually featured years ago. She was one of the very first women that I interviewed during the very first year of Biz Women Rock. And I asked her back here because truthfully, I have watched her grow her business into the stratosphere while she has had two kids. So I selfishly was really interested on how in the world she did that. And because she works with mindset and because she's very aware of setting intentions and really living purposefully, I wanted to get her insight as to how she actually makes this whole thing work in her life. And when I asked her to describe that, she kind of chuckled back at me and was like, ha ha ha, that's funny that you assume that it always does, (laughs) which is why I knew it was going to be an incredible conversation. So what you are about to hear is a very raw, very real, and very explicit, by the way, so you may not want to be listening with little ones in the room, conversation that she and I have that truthfully, I promise you, you're going to feel like you're kind of sitting and having a drink with us, all about so many different facets of this mompreneur journey how we have both dealt with this pull that we feel because we love our businesses and we love what we do every day so much. And there's this pull of like really loving your business and wanting to go work on your business. And then there's this thing called all these duties of motherhood that Denise is not necessarily so much a fan of. We also talk very openly about the roles our spouses play in our abilities to be amazing mompreneurs. And you'll hear a little insight about the conversations that both 
both of us have had with our husbands about that. And then, of course, we touch upon outsourcing, dealing with limiting beliefs, and Denise's big belief, and mine too, that when we raise up women around the world, we can make big changes on a global scale. As you can tell, this is a big conversation, and I really hope that you have as much fun listening to it as Denise and I had recording it. Now, without further ado, here is Denise Duffield-Thomas. Denise, what's going on, girl? Hey, Katie. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I am so, so happy that you're here, and I could not ask for just a cooler, cooler ending to this Mompreneur series and having you on. So thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. With every single amazing Mompreneur that I've had and featured on this series, there's been like a different angle, like a different something special that I feel that they can speak really well to and, and kind of open the eyes of every single woman listening right now. And for you, one of the things that fascinates me is that I've seen the kind of trajectory of the success of your business kind of before kids, when you had your first kid and now with your second kid. And I have seen nothing but like serious stratospheric growth. And and so I really wanted to get inside the brain of Denise and figure out <laughs> how, what is going on in there and all that sort of stuff. So if you could, for anyone who is just getting introduced to you, can you give just a little bit of a snapshot of what your business is all about? And then we can go from there. I specifically help female entrepreneurs deal with their money blocks. So their money fears, all that icky stuff that comes up when you have your own business around, oh my God, I have to talk about money with my clients. I have to set my own prices. I have to ask for the sale. I have to have money conversations all the time. And um, that brings up a lot of stuff for women. And I noticed when I was doing business coaching that it wasn't strategy a lot of the time that derailed people. It wasn't lack of ideas, lack of ambition, uh, even lack of organization, even though some people blame that. It was really this underlying fear of money. And I wanted to explore that further. And, and that path led me to making it my entire business. So I have a course called the Lucky Bitch Money Bootcamp, which takes women through that process of making friends with money. And I doubled down on that. And that's probably one of the secrets that we'll be talking about today is about like really focusing on what you're good at and giving yourself permission to let let go of the rest. And um, yeah, I've got two kids. They're currently, George will be one next weekend and Willow is just over three. And yeah, it's in, it's intense. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, okay. So I'm going to be straight here and everyone who's listening, you're going to hear it here first is that one of the reasons that I so was desiring to talk to you is because Chris and I are wanting to grow our family. Like we have very real plans to have baby number two and maybe that means baby number three and four. And like, we want to grow our family so selfishly. And I feel like there are many other women who may be listening who feel like I love my business And I love this mommy thing and I want to keep on doing both, but how in the world do I do that? (laughs) So so can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about when you first had Willow, was there something significant? I'm sure there were a gazillion things, but was there a, a significant shift that you had to make in order to figure out how you could be mommy and be mommy really well and have a growing business? Was there something specific that happened like after her, like the first kid? No, I actually did it all beforehand. And the reason why I did that is because I have always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like, 
my whole life. I love business. As soon as I started my business full time, I loved it. And I actually did not want to have kids and ruin my business. (laughs) And honestly, because I just felt like I'd fought for that independence for so long and I was starting to become quite successful in my business. And then Mark, my hubby just kept on asking me and we would, it always come about when we were going out for a really nice dinner. You remember that when you used to go out for dinner (laughs) and have a glass of wine and talk about life and it would be like, you know, an anniversary or a birthday or something like that. And he would, he would say, are we ever going to have kids? You know? And, and he felt like he was ready. And of course, for, I'm like, of course you're ready. It's not going to change your life. (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to have kids? Um, but we kept on having these discussions and I just knew I had so much fear around it. And I was like, God, after the third, um, dinner where I burst into tears around it, I think I need to go and explore this a bit further. So I actually spent probably about a year and a half talking about it with everyone I knew, um, like friends who had kids and businesses. And trust me at the start, I didn't actually know that many. And I think one of the blocks that I had was, well, you can't, you can't do both. So I didn't know people who were successfully doing both until I specifically set the intention to find it. Cause all I had seen up to then was people who were people who had wanted to start a business, but they had kids, so they couldn't. And so I was seeing all these like struggling moms wanting to start a business and thinking, but I don't want to be like that. Um, you know, I want, I want to find someone who's kicking butt at it. And of course, when you set the intention, you find them. But I spoke about it with kinesiologists, acupuncturists, like anyone who would listen, basically, I would just talk about how scared I was and scared. I had to really unpack it. I was like, oh my God, it's going to ruin my body. It's going to ruin my relationship. It's going to ruin my income. Um, my mom was a single mom and you know she didn't have a lot of money. I really saw her struggle. So I had to let that go as well because there was a part of me that's like, Oh, I can't have a baby. I'm too young. And I was like 33, <laughs> you know, and I was, but I, but because my mom was a teen parent, right. I was kind of still had that stigma. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't have a baby. How shocking. And it was like, yeah, no one's going to be shocked. <laughs> you're married and in your thirties. Yeah. You're, a baby. You were two years away from starting to get the questions of you better hurry up girl. <laughs> Ticking time clock. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So I think that was the big thing. I just had so much to work around. And then as soon as I really put myself into working on it, then this is the same with your money. You know, this is what I tell people to do. Immerse yourself in the clearing of your blocks and then suddenly it will just be so much easier. Otherwise, everything's going to feel hard. And this is exactly the same with any block that you're dealing with. So for me, I was like, oh, okay, all right, let's have a baby. And then it was just that we just got pregnant pretty much straight away. So I think I was just a bit better prepared for that feeling. And so it didn't, it wasn't um, a massive shock because I felt like I'd done a lot of homework, if that makes sense. Right. So I would imagine that then, you know, once you had your daughter, then it was a matter of like just working out logistics. Like, okay, I already know that my business is still going to grow. And I already know that I'm going to have all this great time being a mommy. Like I already know that. So let's just get down to business on making the logistics work, right? Yes and no. Like, I, and then I think when you're in the the trenches, and this is the same with money as well, right? You can do it all but then things still come up when you're in the trenches. And one of the first things that came up was, Hey, if I want to do both my business and be a mom, I'm going to need some help. 
And I remember thinking a new block came up. I was like, but only rich snobby people have nannies. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, no. And I was so embarrassed thinking, what if my friends from home found out that I had a nanny? like a snobby rich person. <laughs> and, and so that was just, it was a little blip, but I remember then talking to some of my friends and they're like, Oh honey, everyone's got nannies, not full time necessarily, but just for a couple hours a week or, and I was like, it just opened my eyes. I went, Oh, that's a, a limiting belief that I can let go. Okay, cool. So little things like that kept on coming up, um, that I had to deal with, but because I dealt with so many of the like real big fears, it was just like, Oh, okay. That's a new block. All right. Maybe that will just take me I don't know, a couple of weeks to deal with rather than months and years. So what were the major things that happened in your business? Like once you had Willa, like once you had your first kid, did you have a slowdown just because that was like the first experience of those two things coexisting together? So did you have a slowdown? Did you have things planned out well? Like how did things look almost immediately afterwards? All that stuff that people had been telling me to do for years, like outsourcing, delegating, batching, I was like, oh, like maybe I could try some of this stuff. <laughs> you right. Know? And but because I didn't have a choice. So I I knew that content is a big part of having a business in terms of marketing. And I saw that mistake that people had made where they just kind of they go on maternity leave and everything stops. Right. You know, like people don't get newsletters anymore, there's no content coming out. And for me, that's the lifeblood of my business is making sure my audience always has me top of mind. Right. So that was the biggest thing I did. I, I batched six months worth of video content um, before I left. And I just filmed it, you know, like boobs up. You couldn't see my stomach growing. <laughs> and that was the best thing I did. But then I was like, oh, maybe I could do some other stuff. And because finally I let my assistant, who is still with me today, I started letting her do stuff for me. Nothing really changed. And actually my business, I think, tripled in the year after Willow was born because I just started being smarter about it. And it's all stuff that I say to people, Hey, you don't have to have a baby to learn this lesson. Right. (laughs) Right. You can start doing it now. So actually for me, it was, it was a great thing, but I I don't know if you've heard this story, but what was really funny about um, the pregnancy is that for me, the business was real and the business needed taken care of, but the baby was really theoretical. Mm, Yep. I totally understand that. I just didn't get it. And because I had a pretty easy pregnancy, you know, I I didn't really suffer too much. I was just like, I don't know. I I just didn't get that there was a baby in there and things were changing. And um, so I was supposed to do a massive big B-school promotion that year. And I was partnering up with Laura Roda and we were going to do a big promotion and together. And we were interviewing Marie Folio. And it was a week before I was a Jew. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, that's just fine. <laughs> and um, so I was all really nervous about it. And it was scheduled for 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. So Friday night, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I, you know, set two alarms. Mark had set an alarm. I set an alarm. I was so nervous. And he's just like, okay, cool. Like, try and get to sleep. I know you're excited about interviewing Marie. And I lay down and my water broke. No! <laughs> And I said, Mark, I went, honestly, am I allowed to swear on this? Absolutely. Okay. So I laid there and I went, fuck. Mark went, what's wrong? And I said, my water's just broke. And he goes, oh my God, we're having a baby. And I was like, no, I'm interviewing Marie tomorrow. Like, this is not cool. So we went to the hospital and I was like, 
how long do you think this is going to take? Because I've got a really important business meeting at seven o'clock in the morning. And all the midwives just thought I was in cuckoo land, but I was dead set serious that I was going to make this meeting. And especially at the start of labor when, you know, the cramps are more like period cramps. You're like, oh, this is cute. I can handle this. So I was like, no problem. I'll just like show my face on camera and then I'll just like mute myself during a contraction Oh my and God. all will be fine. That really went through and, your um, head. <laughs> no, it really did. And I sent, I sent Laura an email at like two o'clock in the morning and I said, I'm in labor, but don't worry. I'll be there. <laughs> I will be there. And um, Mark sent her a message and said, she will not be there. <laughs> Just to like, no, she will not be there. And you know what? She was born at 6.30 in the morning and there was a thought. I was like, I wonder how good the Wi-Fi is in the hospital. (laughs) Like maybe I could just still jump on. And I know that sounds horrible. No. People who have been like, oh, my God, are you that obsessed with your business? But I was just kind of a bit in denial about it. I was just like, well, this is real and this was, you know, this is something I committed to and I have to follow through with it. And I think the biggest difference between now and then is that I think I've just given myself a bit more slack on things. I'm like, you know what? I'm allowed to say no. I'm allowed to have boundaries. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to be everything to everyone. And I'm still learning that lesson. But the worst thing is too, that weekend, I was still in the hospital and I was like, I've got to write my newsletter. (laughs) Because I refused to delegate it. Oh my gosh. For months. In in the lead up to maternity, she's like, look, I'm ready to take over that newsletter whenever you like. And it was the last thing on my list to hand over for maternity leave. Wow. And I still did it in the hospital that week. And I would never do any of that stuff now. I never would. I mean, I'm still, I still have to overcome some workaholic tendencies, (laughs) but that is just in a nutshell what I was trying to do and what I see women do. It's like, honey, you don't have to be everything to everyone. And I hate when people give advice like, Oh, how do you get everything done? Well, guess what? You're going to have to get up at four o'clock and do it. And it's like, that's not cool. You have finite resources physically, mentally, emotionally. So I think we've got to stop telling mums that they have to extend themselves even further. That's not the answer. The answer is let it go. Let someone else do it. Give yourself permission to make things easy for you because no, you're not getting up at four o'clock and staying up till one o'clock doing your business and doing them in those hours. That does not work anymore. You know what? There's so much I have to say about that, but the, while that was kind of a stamped moment for you and you've definitely learned and evolved from that, I, I feel like that is such a great capture of this pull that those of us who are really in love with our businesses, we love what we do. And it's so much like a a vehicle for us to, to have an impact in this world. And we love the excitement of it. We love the challenge of it. We love every part about it. And I feel like that pull, that tug between, I really want to give my business this attention And I have this, I have a responsibility here. And I also want to give attention to my kids. Like, truthfully, that exists so much in me lately. Like, I I feel like there's, I don't feel guilt. Like, I just will refuse to feel guilt. But what I do feel is that constant pull. Like, I try to make most of like how to manage that because I don't think that I ever really balance that. But it's just like, 
there's never a moment really where I don't want to work. I, I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. I really, I love vacations. I can definitely unplug, but I really love working. And so it's that, how do I, especially in moments when like it's a family time or it's like a mommy moment or something like that, I feel that tug. So I feel like that's a really good representation of that. So how would you feel? And obviously that particular instance has evolved in like how you deal with it, but I would imagine you still have that tug. So how do you deal with that? Oh, okay. So one thing I want to say, of course, I don't love my business more than my kids, but I love my business more than I love being a mom. And that is, that is the truth for me. I love that business role way more than the mothering role, but of course I love my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really interesting distinction. Actually. I'm really glad that you said that. Like you, you enjoy the activities of running the business versus the activities of, of being a mom, right? Oh yeah. I really dislike most of the activities of being a mom. (laughs) I'll be really honest. Um, I do. And I, I, find it hard to find those groups of women where you're allowed to say that yeah. because people will say, Oh, do you love being a mom? And I've said to people, I've said, not really. Like I really don't most of the time. And I really struggle with the, um, you know, like all the mundane shit. And I really, I don't like it. I remember Mark recently, he, he was like, do you want to change Willow or do you want to change George? And I said, neither. I want you all to fuck off and I want to go work on my book. <laughs> like if I'm being really honest, if you're giving me the choice, I don't want to do those things. Right. And that's, that's the tricky thing because it's like women can be quite demonized about that if you're not in the right circles where you're allowed to say that stuff. But also we're sold this thing that it is so rewarding. And it is for some people. I remember when I was childless and I was a business coach, I remember I had a client who I coached all through a pregnancy and then we still had some sessions left. And in all of our sessions, she would say, I just don't want to talk about my business. All I want to do is lie around and stare at her. Nothing else matters now except for her. And I would just roll my eyes and like, go, oh my God. But the thing is like biologically, hormones play some crazy shit on some women and that's literally all they want to do. And they come out of that fog and, and they're like, Oh my God. Okay. There are other things in the world. So that's normal. I don't want to demonize that either, but I just knew that that wasn't me. I was like, Oh, the baby's asleep. Maybe I could write some more in my book. You know, I was like, Oh, this is great. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that, except that it's, it's, I think it's normal and you don't feel guilty about it. And I, I'm glad that you just said that about guilt too, because I do refuse to feel guilt. And when people say, Oh my God, I'm so guilty. I'm like, Oh, just like, stop doing that. No, shit. no. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. No, I don't think so. And uh, I think I, I actually made a very conscious effort before I had Sedona. I was like, I'm not going to buy into this mommy guilt thing. Now, what I do feel, what I feel like most of us call mommy guilt is actually like, oh, I really want to, it, I feel like it's that pull. Like I really want, I feel this at the end of almost every day because Sedona goes to daycare a couple days a week and it gets to be around like the 4.30 time and I'm kind of wrapping up what I need to get done, but I still like need to be focused on that. And I'm feeling this pull to want to go see her. And I don't call that guilt. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't feel guilty for having her there all day. I just feel that pull of like, I want to be, I want to have both, you know? <laughs> so oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially when they're, you know, tantruming, I don't know if Sedona is in the tantruming phase yet, but a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah. Or, um, it's so bad. It, oh my God. Three. When people told oh. me wait till three, I was like, Oh, shut up. And then now, Oh my God, it's terrible. Or if George, like George is not a good sleeper and at three right. o'clock in the morning, sometimes he needs to be shushed for like an hour or three. Yeah. Those times where I'm like, how is this my life? Like, mm. how am I, how is this like my calling, you know? And I do feel that resentment. I'm like, I've got some big shit to do in the world. Like how it's the crappy side. It's not like, Oh, I don't want to feed my kids. No, I I want to work on my book rather than feeding my kids. But it's like, I don't want to be dealing with this tantrum when I could be doing something else that like fulfills me a bit more. (laughs) No, I, I am. I'm really glad that you're giving voice to that because I feel like that it's a little part of what I feel. I've got big things to do in this world. And it's not that I don't also have big things to do through my kid or through the family that I'm going to raise. I, you know, like I was raised with parents who like their purpose for being in this world was to raise six amazing kids. They were incredible parents. And it's so obvious that they were here, like they're here in this world to be great parents. And I know I'm here to be a great parent, but I'm also here to do this great thing through Biz Women Rock to like have this revolution of business women. And it would be really interesting to me to hear how you deal with that. Practically speaking, is your nanny kind of taken over on all those little mommy things? And if so, how do you feel about like not having that time? Or do you sort of manage like, okay, I can do these kind of mundane things, but I kind of will reach my limit and then I will ask for help and we'll go sort of balance out of wherever I need. So how do you actually make sense of that or like let that work for you? Yeah. Well, this is the great thing about being an entrepreneur is that you can work from home so I, I see the kids like throughout the day, you know, we've got a really great young girl. She's, you know, 22. She comes a couple of days a week and Willow also goes to daycare a couple of days a week. So we kind of juggle between all of those things. And it's great that I can just see them and they've never been kids where they've gone, oh, I can't, you know, you're, you're leaving right. because I'm just like, oh, I'm in my office and Willow she gets that language a lot now. You know, we were in a hotel room and they had a little computer desk and she goes, this is my office. So she hears that. And I love that because, I, oh my God, imagine having entrepreneurs as kids. I, just, <laughs> I really hope I have an entrepreneur, at least one. Um, so I think they see it, they see it flowing. And I, I remember hearing someone say, don't ever say to your kids like, oh, I'm, I miss you so much when I'm away. Or like, I'm so sorry, I'm going away. I, I want them to hear how much I love my work right. and I talk to her a little bit about my work and, you know, she knows I, I help people with money. And so that for me, I'm just like, I want her to see that you can flow in and out of your life. And, you know, sometimes we're together and sometimes I'm in my office, sometimes daddy's in his office. So it feels like we're always together as a family, but not necessarily I'm doing everything for her. And Mark's actually a really hands-on dad. So, you know, it's going to be normal for her that, Hey, sometimes mom cooks, sometimes dad cooks, sometimes the nanny cooks. Right. And I don't think she sees anything weird about any of any of those things. Yeah, I, I don't know about the rest of it, about like the the mundane stuff that's largely invisible to kids, by the way, like mm. laundry. Kids <laughs> don't care who does laundry. So I I'm not gonna I'm not doing that. I haven't done laundry for years. Um we have someone to do that. We have someone to do the cleaning. And I remember someone saying, But what are you teaching your kids? if you don't show them how to clean. And I'm like, they ignore that. They don't know who cleans. Like the clothes just magically appear in their drawers <laughs> and it's not important information to them until they leave home. 
Mm. Like they would not care. So I'm like, I can spend a day in like 15, 20 years teaching my kids how to do a washing machine. (laughs) I don't need to do it for the next 16 years to role model it for them Mm. because they don't care. So it's things like that. I really try and look at what's going to be the important things to show them, you know, that we do together and the largely invisible things or the really boring things or the things that sap my energy and willpower for, for, for being a good mom, <laughs> those things can go. Yeah. Got it. I love that. I absolutely love that. And, uh, one of the big things for me was that we did, we got help. Um, I have, I don't know if I would really call her a nanny. She was like our babysitter at first and she would come in once a week for date night. And then I just kind of said, Hey, would you be willing to come a couple other nights throughout the week just to kind of like clean up the hurricane that we leave here? <laughs> and like, <laughs> just like, so that I don't have to worry about washing another bottle. Like I can, I can have a day off of washing bottles. Like, can you do that? She's like, absolutely. So, you know, like three days a week for the most part, we have someone coming in here and helping us out. And it's so nice in the way I made sense of it. I was like, I would so much rather like be off on a walk with the three of us than cleaning the house right now. Like that, that made better sense. Absolutely. Yeah. That made better better sense for quality time. And you know what, this is where I think entrepreneurs do change the world because you know, we're hiring other women. It Mm. it has a ripple effect when we do well in our business. If we don't hold on to every little thing and we let some of those things go, that helps other women, you know, that creates income for other women. And I see so many people feel guilty about it. And it's like, no, don't feel guilty. We're spreading that goodness. And I just want to speak to women who aren't there necessarily income wise to do it because it can sometimes seem like, oh, well, it seems like you have to have a lot of money to be successful. You know, it becomes a self-fulfilling thing. But what it's going to take, if you don't have money resources right now, you're just going to have to sometimes bite the bullet and ask for help from other people, right. from your partner. Partners have to step up. And trust me, this is where I can really role model this because holy crap, has my husband had to step up. Mm-hmm. I am not giving him an inch. <laughs> I'm like, honey, even to the point where I was saying to him, I carry the baby for nine months. You can carry everything else for the rest of their life. <laughs> You know, like, because you know when they're when they're like, you carry the baby bag, I'll carry this, and I'm like, I'm not carrying shit. (laughs) I gave birth to these children. Yep. He cooks, and he's just such a hands-on dad. Because, and but you know what? That didn't happen by accident. Yeah. When he was going off to work, which he doesn't, he doesn't work outside the business now. But like, he would come home and just be like, I think I'm going to go to the gym, and I was like shut that shit down. This is, you come home at a decent time. You're not going off for drinks and like, because it's a short time, right? That first year is so intense. I was like, honey, no. And I had to mandate it. I had to be like, you're, you have the baby from seven in the morning till eight 30 in the morning until you go off to work. Yeah. That's your, in your, that's on the diary because otherwise he'd be like, oh yeah, I think I'm just going to do this. I'm like, no, that's it. And so I, you have to be just full on. Cause it doesn't come naturally to them. No, and it, it leads doesn't. to so much resentment. Um, if you've got parents, friends, anyone, like if you're going to do a swap with a, with a, you know, another mom in your community, watch each other's kids, even for just an hour. Yeah. Um, you'll be able to get so much done in an hour, but you can't be a martyr. You can't think you have to do it all yourself and you can't sit in resentment and, and silence because that is the way forward. And when I hear women say, Oh, my husband said we can't hire a babysitter until my business is making more money. I'm like, that's a chicken and egg argument that you'll lose forever Yeah, because you have no time and energy 
to work on your business to make the money to get the babysitter. So it's a total lose-lose for women if you agree to that kind of stuff. You kind of have to just go, look, honey, like this is an investment in our future. You need to give me a certain amount of time to make this work with, with little pressure. And I know it sounds like, oh, that, you know, Denise, that sounds like, you know, my husband wouldn't go for it. But I'm like, well, if you really want your business to support you and your family one day in the future, it's going to require short-term sacrifice. And all of that short-term sacrifice cannot come from your energy and life force and cut into your sleep. It has to come from other areas as well, including your husband's or your partner's time too. Otherwise, it's not sustainable and you'll, yeah, you'll burn out. I am so glad that you're talking about that because I feel like that's kind of like the underbelly of this that we don't really talk about. Uh, Michelle Evans and I had a conversation on a show just a couple of weeks ago about the agreements that she and her husband have had to have in order to make everything work. And I feel like I'm really glad that you said that about Mark because I have told this to Chris many times. I'm like, you know, I just feel like unless there's structure and an agreement between the two of us, we easily default into Katie's the 95% parent. And that's not, Absolutely. that doesn't work for me. <laughs> and yeah. if I were a stay-at-home mom and and you were the 100% breadwinner, that would be a whole different conversation. But that's not the case. Like this is, I have a business, I have a purpose, I'm bringing in income, I am contributing to the household. So there's, I expect you to be here too. So, and that has been a constant conversation. And I love it that you are identifying that this whole thing doesn't work without that. It really doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't. And I hear women feel guilty because they're not bringing in money. And so they feel like they don't have an equal say in those things or they don't, or they feel like, well, his sleep is more important than mine. And you know what? It's such a short time and it's such an intense time. It's all hands on deck. And what you're doing is an investment in your family's future, you know, and it, yeah. it's valuable. It might not have motherhood doesn't have a monetary value attached to it. But you've got to get over that thing of like, well, he earns the money. It just it takes us right back to the 1950s where women mm. just had no economic power in the, you know, in in life. And I'll tell you what I did too. Uh, at the start of my business, this is pre kids. I made Mark give me an allowance, like from the joint. When I say it was from the joint account, and I was like, this is money that I can spend on whatever I want. And you can't question me on it. I don't want to have to like, oh, honey, can I have some money to like go to the hairdresser? Right, like, right, right. Fuck that. And so I think, <laughs> and I, you know, I read that. I read that in a Susie Orman book. And mm. she was saying how when you have a baby, you should be paid a salary from your joint account or from your husband should pay you a salary. And that is money that is for you. And it could be a very symbolic amount, like $50 a week or something. Right. And I, that stuck with me so much that I just, I did it, you know, at the start of my business without having a kid. But I think that will just change things for some women. And they would feel like, oh my God, I can go and have a coffee. I can go see a movie. And I, I'm not begging my husband if I can have that $10 and feeling guilty about it. Right. Because, oh my God, uh, this, I don't want to sound morbid here, but when we do our life insurance stuff with our financial advisor, he's like, Denise, if you died, like Mark would have to hire a nanny, like <laughs> someone to shop around the kids, a yeah. cook, a cleaner. I mean, it's a valuable thing that, that women do raising these kids. And um, we can't think that we don't contribute because that's ridiculous. Like we're contributing to 
the, you know, the legacy of your family. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's hugely valuable. So don't be afraid to just like tell your husband what's what. Well, <laughs> my mom actually, she goes, because it's so unusual, right. For men to take on that role. My mom sometimes goes, Oh, poor Mark. He does everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, mom, but first of all, cause I'm the breadwinner now. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and I just want to say to her, who do you think pays for everything around here? Mom, <laughs> like he can, he can pay out a towel. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the whole, the whole thing for me plays into like, look, every couple has their own norms, their own agreements, their own conversations. But the point is have the conversation and stand up for what you feel like you really need in order to succeed in these two areas of your life that are so important for you. The showing up as a mom and showing up as a very, you know, passionate and super successful businesswoman. That's really ultimately what it is. And that your partner really has to be part of that conversation. Man, I feel like we could go on and on about all this great deep I stuff. Know. <laughs> um, One thing I want to say on partners real quick, though, yeah. is that sometimes what really helps is painting the picture of your family legacy. And we've been doing this for a long time, Mark hmm. and I. I had to really keep him you know, one day we're going to have kids and we're both going to be self-employed and we'll be able to go to the beach in the middle of the day. Like I had to really constantly paint the picture of why I was working on my business and why it was important to me to do that. And I mean, now that that has happened, um, he quit his job a year ago, a year and a bit more ago, actually. And it's been amazing having him at home. And I know so many women dream of that as a family. Mm-hmm. But that didn't just happen. I had to constantly remind him of that of the goal. I had to constantly remind him that that's why I was working my business. And it takes faith to do that. And and you have to be the keeper of the faith. You can't expect them to. You have to do it. Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. I want to shift to concluding our conversation by asking you because we've gone from very like high level kind of what we think about this whole thing, but I'd like to get it a little bit into the granular on like, what kind of things are you doing? What kind of habits do you have or daily routines that you have that help you keep on putting that focus and energy into your business that enables it to grow into that continually growing vision that you have and to show up as the mom as you as you need to be and as you want to be? What kind of daily habits or daily routines do you have? I think it's not so much what I do, it's what I don't do. Because a lot of the stuff that I always hated about being a mom, I guess, is where how you see people who are you know, business women or career women. And then suddenly they're like housewives, you know, and I've seen all these really intelligent women. They're like, Oh, I've got to go home and do my laundry. And I was just like, Oh, can't think of anything worse. So I like a lot of those things to be invisible and I, you have to, you have to outsource it and you have to train people to do things the way you want them. So I don't want to think about fresh towels in the bathroom. I never want to think about having toilet paper in the bathroom. I never want to think about my laundry anymore. I actually don't even want to think about meal preparation. You know, (laughs) I really don't. So one of our newest hires is a housekeeper. We've always had cleaning, like, you know, people to come clean the house once a week, but even that has evolved where at first it was just, you know, floors and bathrooms. And then it was like, Hey, could you like change our sheets every week? Could you then like clean our towels every week? Can you, you know, it was just kept on evolving. So I think it's all that stuff that I don't have to think about. Um, like our new housekeeper, she makes us breakfast. So we just go downstairs and there's breakfast on the table. I don't have to think about that anymore. And all of those things pulled at my reserve of just energy 
outside of me and my business because I'm an introvert as well. So I've got limited energy anyway, outside of my like personhood, right? (laughs) I've got limited energy for other people. So I was like, well, all that stuff that takes energy out of me, I just want to eliminate it. So that's the truth of what it takes for me. I don't think everyone, I mean, some people say, oh, it's therapeutic cleaning my toilet. I'm like, get a better Mm -hmm. hobby for starters. (laughs) Like that doesn't quite Um, work for me. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I just don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about cleaning the toilet. So I, I don't think I'm I've done anything special in terms of I, I really, I honestly don't meditate. I know I should and I, I'm sure I should. Um, <laughs> um, so I don't have, when people ask me like, what's your day? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't really do a lot of that stuff, but it's the things that I don't do that makes the biggest difference for me and my mood as a human and a businesswoman and a mom. I love and that. A wife. I think that's huge. I think that is so huge. So To conclude this, here is the final question. What do you love about this journey where you are simultaneously this rockin' businesswoman and this amazing mother? Like, what do you most love? For me, the transition into being a mom has really, it's made me a feminist because I don't think I was before. I really don't think I thought about women as (laughs) that much before being a mom. It's given me so much compassion for women around the world. It's, it's given my mission a deeper layer. You know, Mm. I'm like, Oh, of course I love helping entrepreneurs deal with their money blocks. But my really greater mission is how can we alleviate global poverty through women in the world? You know, it's like, it sucks that people can't feed their kids. You know, it sucks that, that children die of really preventable diseases in the world. You know, that's, that's fucking sucks. And a lot of the time it's money that stops those things from happening. And, and it's such a very little amount of money as well. And then, you know, women are more inclined to change the world through, through those kind of actions. We give more, you know, we're, we're, we're more compassionate. So for me, the journey has just been such a, an amazing one. I hate to even say that sometimes because of course you don't have to have kids to be a compassionate person, but I had to. <laughs> no, I know and what it, you mean. Yeah. That it just really yeah. deepens that, that sense of like knowing. I think for me, it was very similar in the sense of like, oh my, I've always been what I would consider a feminist. I've always been very like pro woman, like we kick butt, right? But the moment I became a mother and the longer I've been on every day, I'm on this journey. I just sit in awe of Every single woman, like I really sit in awe about how much we hold up in this world. And and every single day I'm reminded or I see another story about another woman that you just would never imagine. And they just hold up the world on their shoulders and we just do it. We just show up and do it all the time. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Western women, we have an enormous amount of privilege. And, you know, privilege is a word that's just everywhere at the moment. And I get it. I get that I've got white women privilege, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you know what, instead of feeling guilty about your privilege, you have a responsibility to use it and to use it to enrich people's lives, particularly women's lives. I think because, you know, men need help, of course, but this is the work that we need to do right at the moment. We need to harness money as a, as a tool for good. We need to harness our power. We need to change some stuff in the world. And it's, it's women. This is what we're going to do. And that's why when I say to people, one of the very first things you should do, outsource your cleaning and laundry, because that ain't changing the world. It's really not like the answers to these big problems that women are dealing with at the moment. It's not at the bottom of the laundry pile. 
it's going to take you doing some big work and it's okay. You're allowed to do that big work. Don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. We've got a responsibility and um, now is our time for women to step up. I love that. Can't think of a better way to end the show. Denise, thank you so, so much for taking your time. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks, Katie. That was a wonderful conversation. And yeah, thanks guys listening. Come and check out my stuff. I'd love to help you with your money blocks. The thing that struck me most about this conversation with Denise is just how amazingly honest she is with herself and what her needs are in business, what her needs are in her life as a mommy, what her needs are in her life as a spouse. And I really honor that. So whether you agreed with Denise's vantage points or not, I am so happy that she's rounding out this entire series, which ultimately I believe showcased so many different different types and so many different ways to experience this journey of mompreneurship. And that's why I'm so excited that Denise talked about a lot of what I consider like taboo conversations. And I was really excited and so happy that we had those. I really want to thank you so much for listening to this series. And I want to ask one thing of you, if any of these conversations, if any guest in particular really struck you, really impacted you, really gave you an eye-opening experience or provided an aha moment to you or really shifted how you look at your business and your family or how you approach your life now, I would sincerely appreciate you just turning around and paying it forward and tapping on the shoulder of a fellow mompreneur and sharing this series with her so she can have that same gift. And you can do that easily by sharing the link at bizwomenrock.com forward slash mompreneur series. That is the page that has all of these episodes on them. So it's an easy peasy way to be able to share everything that was shared here within this mompreneur series. Again, that's forward slash mompreneur series. Thank you so much again. I absolutely love you and I honor you for being here and being a part of the Biz Women Rock community. I'll see you on the next episode. Mm